1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, we did it. We made it. It's game day. Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Very, 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 very important game. Um, I don't see a massive reason to be rooting against the Packers in this game. Um, I somewhat understand the whole, well, we're, not, we're probably not going to get into the playoffs anyways, and uh, if we do, we're not going to win the Super Bowl, so we might as well just tank thing. Let me just address that first and foremost. Number one, I don't think we can get much higher in the draft right now. If we are 7-10 and 10 when this thing is done, I mean, the Jets are already 6-10. and 10. They're picking 8th and you've got the um a bunch of other 7 and 8 teams like a bunch as well as the bears at 6 and 9 now, obviously they'd win at least one game to bring them to um you know probably 7 and 10 the point is like we're not we're not cracking the top 5 we're currently sitting at 12 i would be surprised if we get any higher than 7 that's that to me is I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just making that up, but I, I, just based on, most of these teams are going to lose. So more than likely, we, we kind of stay where we are. Now, granted, if we win and we get into the playoffs, we drop significantly, right? The, the best pick we'd have is 19. Or if we win one of the two, which, you know, it's probably the most likely, we probably stay around where we are. So in a very pure sort of Super Bowl or bust mentality, sure, lose out. But again, I just don't think we gain a lot of ground. And then you got to count the cost, right? Look at how and I mentioned this before too when it was, you know, even when I was in the in the height of like this is really bad. We're probably better off tanking. We could potentially get the number 1 pick. We can get a new quarterback. When we won, I don't know, against the Chargers or whatever it was, maybe it was a Lions game, there was just a feeling of like, you know, I I, I There's a logical part of your brain that says this isn't the best scenario, but then I think there's obviously an interpersonal part of it, but it's just, it's more, it's everything. Everything feels good. We can, we can try to rationalize and be like, well, I'm actually upset about it, but it felt good. It felt good to watch the team win. It felt good to cheer and look what it does for the locker room. And again, we like just Matt LaFleur is a perfect example. He has he has swung from genius to fire him to genius to fire him. And, you know, I mean, again, things are bad. And it's like, well, you know, uh, Devondre's got to go. jair has got to go. Joe's got to go. Matt might need to go. Jair's now suspended, which, again, I don't think that happens if things are, are better, if it's a better situation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just a head case. I don't know, man. But I just feel like we're better off. Some people are going to listen to this and be like no freaking kidding. I feel like we're better off winning than losing, which is I know kind of a crazy thought. But listen, I mean just just think about what that does. What does that mean for our team? What does that do to our locker room? No, it's not going to save Joe Barry and if it does then I, we can all just freak I'll meet you in Green Bay as we burn that thing to the ground, okay? I don't know what the thing is, we'll figure it out. I don't want to burn Lambo, but we'll we'll burn a th- burn an effigy, okay? Think about what that would necessarily mean about some of our players. Think about what that can do to the locker room, you know, and again, Matt LaFleur's first year. What does that mean for Matt LaFleur to be able to concoct this in his first year, given the situation, which is not a good situation, to be able to get into the, the playoffs, which would necessarily mean probably, I'm guessing, the, the second best NFC North team behind the Lions, which is really impressive for a team that was expected to be fourth. What does that mean for the offense and where that ranks? It's gotten up to 10th. It's probably going to rise a little bit more. It could be ninth or 8th or something. Probably can't get much higher than that. But that's a great thing for the first year. What does that mean for Jordan and his statistics and, and all that? I mean, it's all going to be more positive. It's So if I just said pick either two wins or two losses, you can say two losses for the draft pick, but what does that mean? I mean, does Jordan throw like four picks these next two? Like, I don't want that. As opposed to Jordan continuing to play at a high level, Matt LaFleur continuing to call good plays, wide receivers continuing to step up, especially in the absence of other guys, the offensive line playing well. I mean, it's just. So, yes, I will be rooting for two wins, especially, you know, especially because if we lose, it's to the Vikings and to the Bears. And it would be them knocking us out of the playoffs. It would be them putting us, you know, the Vikings would essentially knock us out of the playoffs and the Bears beating us would then put us in fourth in the division. That ain't worth a handful more picks, man. It's just, it's just freaking not. And I know sitting at 20 isn't great because you miss out on Cooper DeGene. You miss out on uh, some of the top wide receivers and everything else. But freaking whatever, man. What ever? Would you rather have one really good player on a bad team or, you know, like the 2023 draft class level good on a good team. It's easy decision for me. So, But fan how you want a fan, it's all good. Another thing that I wanted to bring up before we get specifically into this game, I forgot to mention it yesterday. I had the tab sitting right here uh, when I was going over some of the Jordan Love things and, and evidence of him kind of uh, rising, I guess. I had mentioned um, this guy, Unexpected Points, Kevin Cole. He's on social media and whatnot. He's got a YouTube channel. I don't know why I pay for his uh, sub stack because he puts this stuff on YouTube for free, but um, he has this thing called uh, Bayesian. I, I know I say that wrong every time, but Bayesian quarterback ranking. So I'm asking the robot to help me understand Bayesian, which is funny as they describe it. It sounds like what I've been talking to you about, which is starting from a position and then updating your position as new information is added. It's essentially what we're doing here. Which, I mean, if you think about the way that I've looked at Jordan Love, you come in and say, I don't have much data, but here's what I do know about him, and so this is where I'm going to stand. And a lot of it was based on, like, quarterbacks just generally, players don't do well in the NFL, so I don't have high expectations. Then every week as new information came in, you update it. But it broke it down into, like, eight points. As you're starting prior beliefs, updating new evidence, quality of the evidence, so some evidence is stronger than others, so it kind of affects which ones impact more or less. The more evidence you collect... The more confident you can be about it, which again is is very true. Like it's the same thing with you see a good game from Jordan, you don't really believe it. You see two, you start to believe it more. You see five and seven, it means more, right? So there's confidence added into this. So it's uh, that, that's more or less it. And so the the data that um, he's using, I'm not entirely sure what it is, but it's just different statistics and whatnot. But anyways, if you remember me talking about this, you'll remember that I. Uh, There was like a, the first time I brought it up, I brought it up because although he was kind of in the middle, what they have here is a change, you know, as far as did you go up or down in the graph and and by how much did you go up or down? And I think he was the only one with a three, which in this case, Will Levis is that quarterback. He's the only one this week that had a three as far as moving him up. He did that two weeks in a row where he, he was the highest and fastest rising guy on the board. And he was sitting somewhere, I think at first he was down at the bottom, you know, early in the season. He was down here 30, 30, 29, 28, somewhere in there. He moved into the middle as was one of the highest rising guys. Right now, Jordan Love has moved up one more spot and is officially, this is broken down into one through 10, 11 through 20, and then 21 through 32 is how the three different sheets that he has here. He's officially in the top 10. The top 10 right now is Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Matt Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, and then Jordan Love. So, thought I'd mention that. And, and again, this, although, you know, more recent data and all that is is somewhat factored in, and plus he doesn't have, this does pull back over several years too, which, you know, you got your priors mixed in and everything. He doesn't have any of those, so prior bad years would drag him down, but prior good years would pull him up as well, but... um. This, this takes into account, you know, early in the season as well, when he was really struggling. Even despite that, he's right now top 10, which is, listen, I'm looking at Jordan Love and I'm, I'm saying I'm really happy with where we're at. He's not good enough, in my opinion. And I know people are going to get pissed at that. that that's fine. Um, and maybe that's even a, a too strong a language. But the point is, I, I, I would hope for continued growth. Because right now, like I pointed out yesterday, he's better than what 2022 Rodgers was. He's somewhere between what did I say twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one Rogers or something, but he's nowhere near twenty twenty Rogers. You know, so the, the the point is I'm I'm not necessarily complacent and I think that there are too many issues. But if this is what we can get consistently, what we saw at the second half of the year, compared to like, no, this full year is more of what you're gonna get from Jordan as far as the ups and downs. That's going to make a big difference because, I mean, listen, being top 10 is awesome, but being 10th, 11th, 12th, eh, again, that's what Rodgers was last year. I mean, from a PFF standpoint, wasn't good enough. It's fine. It's probably better than the Bears and Vikings and Lions quarterbacks most years, especially now that Kirk is probably gone and the Bears are never going to find a quarterback and eh, maybe not Goff. I don't know. Goff is 11th, by the way. But the point is, even if even if what we're saying is we need to see some continued growth if this year, which I presume to be somewhat of a down year, that I expect him to be better than, over the course of the entire season, better next year than this year, the fact that this year's top 10, I mean, if we just get second half Jordan Love for an entire season, there's no doubt he's top five, at least among this group. Now, it's kind of a down year for quarterbacks, right? So if if more guys start to emerge and you get back to sort of the days when we had Breeze and Rodgers and Brady and Roethlisberger and... Rivers and and all these guys that are really freaking good quarterbacks and Pat Mahomes was mixed in there. I don't know where that puts Jordan, but again, this this has been a heck of a climb. I, I heard uh, on Good Morning Lambo Clayton was talking about um, you know the skepticism that I know I had and and I'm guessing a lot of people had as far as his ability to fix his accuracy, because that's, that's a tough thing to fix, and a lot of guys don't. There have been some examples, but at the very least, I didn't expect it to happen just overnight, and that's essentially what happened. It's not perfect, but it's, it's, it's fine, right? I mean, Pat Mahomes is somewhat inaccurate. A lot of these guys are actually relatively inaccurate, but they sure make it work, and, and the one thing Jordan does is he's always like really high in things like EPA. He might make some mistakes, but when he makes plays, they are really impactful plays so he makes up for similar to Pat Mahomes they they make up Josh Allen in particular i mean he this guy just throwing bombs out there these guys deal with inaccuracies and interceptions and whatnot by overcoming that you know you, you start subtracting ones and twos and adding fives and sixes so anyways just wanted to tell you that um jumped into the top 10 so um all right let's let's get off of this i want to start covering uh Packers versus Vikings i just saw some more bad news come across the old timeline here so uh, we'll take a break here, come back, update the injury report, because apparently that's necessary. And uh, we'll uh, rock and roll, man. We'll take a break. we we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. So, apparently, Eric Stokes has been added to the injury report and has been ruled out for Sunday, hamstring injury. Hey, um, look, man, love you, big fan, long-time fan, first-time caller or something. When we do the combine, there's this whole thing about how, you know, fans care about, like, the metrics and everything, but for the teams, it's, like, 98% medical and stuff. Can we, like focus really hard on hamstrings as like a thing. And and if that's something that we kind of just disregard, can we stop disregarding it? I'm not not saying I'm mad that we got Christian Watson or even Stokes necessarily, but I'm just saying if we're already going to take the risk of whether or not a player is even going to be good, let's not add the risk that they also might only play like three games a year. Can we, can we look at that a little bit? I understand it might be kind of tricky. But if they have hamstring injuries, it's probably arisen in college. And if it hasn't, there's got to be some kind of test you can take. There's got to be something to be like, oh, yeah, dude, this guy's got a jacked-up hamstring, man. It's way too tight. Like, it's too short. See that? He got a short hamstring and some, some long legs. So it's just, it's just going to keep tearing and stuff when he starts running around. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, a, a doctor or a medical person scientist, muscle scientist. What do you call a muscle scientist? I'm sure there's such a thing. Myologist, that makes sense. I'm not a myologist, okay? I mean, especially if you think about our first-round picks. Lucas Van Ness has been healthy so far. That's great. Quay Walker, injured a lot. Eric Stokes, injured constantly. Jordan Love, so far so good. Haven't seen him much. Rashawn Gary, injury problems. Jair Alexander, guy's been hurt all year and now suspended. I mean, those are... All of the picks that the GM has made. And I'm not even saying they're bad picks. It's just, it's crazy that this year, like, every first-round pick we've made, with the exception of Jordan Love and Lucas Van Ness, has been hurt. I mean, I I guess injuries are just common anyways, but, I mean, Darnell Savage also, (laughs) right? He's also a first-round pick. He's been hurt. Oh, there's Devontae Wyatt, too. Um, has, Has he been hurt? I don't know. Maybe. I think a little bit he was. Now, I guess everybody's been hurt for a little while, so it kind of checks out. But, I mean, second-round picks, you got Luke Musgrave hurt, Christian Watson hurt, A.J. Dillon, broken thumb. (laughs) How about third-round picks, the ones that are still here? Josiah DeGuara hurt. Uh, Tucker Craft is playing strong. So, I don't know, man. Everybody's hurt all the time. I guess it just is what it is, but... um, it, it whatever. It's a bad year for injuries. It it's just oh, it's it's frustrating, especially the hamstrings, man, because they're just so they're so scary because they're so recurring, you know, that they're things that tend to keep coming back. And they can last a really long time. It seems minor. I mean, you can have a, a hamstring kind of tweak or whatever and be good to go. But I mean, we saw that with Aaron Jones. You know, he pulled up in the end zone. I don't know what is going on this year. Um, you know, everybody always talks about the training staff, and usually it's it's a stupid conversation because it's not like the training staff's job is to make sure no injuries happen. Most injuries have nothing to do with the training staff. But when you start to see a bunch of soft tissue injuries and nobody's returning from injury ever, and maybe that has to do with the team rebelling, you know, especially the defensive pieces, just saying, ah, no, I hurt myself, I can't play. Maybe that's what Stokes did. Maybe he's just pissed and he's protesting this whole uh, if we're getting into conspiracy territory, this whole Jair suspension, he's like, oh, nope, tweaked my leg, sorry. Although that would be stupid, because the guy's on the verge of not seeing another contract if he doesn't get out there and perform, so whatever. I, I, I... <sighs> Just get through these last two weeks, man, that's all I've been saying, that's all I'm going to keep saying, just get through it, we got this, we can do this, just please stay together, everybody be good, everybody be happy. But anyways, uh, this is the 127th meeting between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams really need this to be able to uh, get themselves into the playoffs, keep themselves out of the bottom of the division. Very important game for both teams as both teams continue to try to just cobble together enough of something to go out and play with. (laughs) Packers still somehow in a better position because they have a quarterback. Um, Vikings, of course... Do not. I mean, you know, they they have a quarterback, but their quarterback is injured. Ours, that's not one of the things that we're missing. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage. Although, uh, given our defense's prior performances, backup quarterbacks, not necessarily a negative. Uh, Both teams sitting at seven and eight. And um, in 15 out of the last 16 seasons, at least one of these two teams has been in the NFC playoff field. So if for some reason, which is entirely possible, by the way, if, you know, one of these teams loses this week and then the other team loses the next week or however. It's possible neither team will be in the playoffs and it's just the Lions representing the NFC North as some frickin' loser NFC West team or something gets in, gets those extra spots. So I don't know if that means I'm rooting for Minnesota. I guess I'm not. No, I'm not. Definitely not. I was going to say, like, do do I want to carry on the tradition? No, I don't care about the tradition. I care about the Packers and everybody else sucking. So never mind. That was a stupid thought. (laughs) I got real sentimental about this uh, statistic here. We can't let this happen. Vikings, we got to do something. Viking Packer powers combined. We may, Captain. Suck it, Bears. I don't know. Um, a little bit of clarification on the Jaron Hall situation. I kind of talked about it briefly. Again, I didn't really look into it. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, there's this Hall guy. He's a rookie. Played well and then didn't play. I don't understand. Resident uh, Vikings fan Peter Larson hit me up on uh, social media. And he says, thought I'd fill you in on the Vikings Insider here for Jaron Hall. When Kirk went down in Lambeau, Mullins would have probably been the backup, but he was on IR, so it was Jaron Hall. Later that week, at the trade deadline, we traded for Josh Dobbs, but obviously started Hall since he had been there since OTAs. Hall looked perfectly fine in the first two drives against Atlanta the next week, but got concussed while trying to rush for a touchdown, so Dobbs came in. Dobbs then went on his miracle run for two games so he was named the starter. When Dobbs uh, started sucking, Mullins was the backup because Hall had st- was still in pr- concussion protocol. We benched Dobbs in third quarter of the Raiders game. Mullins... This is hilarious. Mullins came in. I think at this point, the Vikings chose Mullins as the backup because we were still firmly in the playoff race, and they probably thought a veteran like Mullins was a safer bet than Hall because this is when Hall just had come off his injury thing, and they're like, I don't know, just... Stick with Mullins, because we don't have enough to bench Mullins, because that seems like a drastic, so Mullins just keep going. Then Mullins started throwing picks, as if it was a giveaway contest, and there uh, we are with Jaron Hall. Most Vikings fans were pounding the table for Jaron Hall being named the starter after the Raiders game. Who knows what Jaron Hall will be the last two games? Personally, I'm worried going against, uh, personally, I thought I read that wrong. Personally, I'm worried going against Joe Barry's defense. Oh, 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 yes, that's right, that's right, never mind. Personally, I'm worried going against Joe Barry's defense will fool the Vikings into thinking Jaron Hall is our next franchise quarterback. Well, if if nothing else, if we do lose this game, or at least if if we make him look good, we can kind of pull one of those things like the Bears are in right now where, where Justin Fields is playing halfway competent. Because Bears fans have never seen competence at the quarterback position, they think that they've got their guy, and so they're all in on it. Maybe we can do that for the Vikings. And they skip on a quarterback, which seems impossible, just like it does for the Bears with the number one pick. It feels impossible. But what if we can dream? They skip on a quarterback. They don't bring back Kirk Cousins for whatever reason. And they're like, we got our guy. And then they don't. So anyways, that's an update on that. That's that whole situation. So, you know, he played well. He got concussed. And then they brought in Dobbs and you remember he just was like the freaking miracle man and it was like I said every time it felt like the Vikings were like they lost Justin Jefferson I'm like well they're screwed now and they started winning it's like well that's weird then they lost Cousins it's like well now they're definitely gonna lose and they just got better it's like what is happening right now but then you know all the magic dust wore off or whatever was going on and everything's just been kind of going south although they were revived a little bit by their defense suddenly being like I, mean, I at one point I had looked at it they had The number one defense in football, I think, through a span of time or whatever. And I think it was uh, from a points perspective from, you know, I don't know, week eight through now or something. But even that is starting to dissipate Like in the last two weeks, even though, you know, relatively good offenses, they've given up, I think it was 27 and 30 points. So we're hoping that they've officially lost all magic dust. There's nothing left. And it's not like, oh, we got one more bit of magic as Jaron Hall comes in. But then again, you think about it. Every time they change something, it works spectacularly. They're changing something. It's a rookie freaking quarterback, what, fifth round? It's Joe Barry. It's a defense that doesn't care anymore. They don't want to play. Half the guys are out with injuries, um, probably have no interest in coming back hurt, so some of them, I don't know if they're just, like, Devondre Campbell might just be done, like, for real. I mean, everything that was said about Jair not playing another snap, I'm kind of wondering about Devondre, um, just because it's it, it just seems so weird to me. It's entirely possible he got more injured in that game, but it's like... Matt LaFleur flat out came out and said, you know, we're just, we're going to let him sit for a little while. After after Devondre went on social media and lashed out, which again is the fault of the coaching staff, although I don't necessarily like him lashing out, but I appreciate the insight saying I'm not playing Hurt anymore. And suddenly he has not taken a single snap in practice and has not played a single game. So, and they're keeping him on the injury report, which to me is sort of like, we're not benching him or cutting him. We're kind of because he's technically hurt just saying he's too hurt to play in practice and just leaving it at that. And I don't know if that's even possible because again, you got the train the training staff, the doctors and all that. Are they able to just you know, I don't know. I I, I would assume unless it's kind of, you know, Devondre, how are you feeling? I can't even walk on it dude. I can't. Like, okay, then I guess he can't play. I don't know. I don't know. It's just very weird to me. And then I guess we'll just see about the rest. I know for the um for the Vikings, it appears that Brian O'Neal will be returning. They also, did, um, they also signed Anthony Barr, um, which I feel like a lot of people just stop there and they say they signed Anthony Barr, and it's like, oh man, this crazy good linebacker just got signed by the Vikings. It's crazy. No, they signed Anthony Barr to the active roster from the practice squad. I feel like that's important context for several reasons. Number one, he was already a Viking. Number two, he was on the practice squad. So don't really need to massively dive in. I mean, I, I, listen, I've already said a thousand times, Anthony Barr is one of those guys, there's several guys who really get off to a good start or have a really good year, especially if it's early in their career. And for the rest of their career, they're considered elite. This guy has been a bad linebacker almost his entire career. As a rookie, he had a 70 PFF grade, then 90 in his second year, right? Just freaking elite. Then it was 50, 60, 70, 50, 40, 60, 60. He had one good year after that in 2018. Otherwise, it was 50, 60, 50, 40, 60, 60. He's not good. He's never been good, and that's why he's on the practice squad. Now, his grade right now is relatively high. He's played in two games, and by played in two games, I mean barely. He played 12 snaps against Denver and 13 snaps against Chicago. I guess the only real benefit is that he's almost 32 years old, and the fact that he's been able to rest probably means we're going to get the best version of whatever's left of Anthony Barr. But aside from that, I mean, this is not 2015 anymore. So it's been, I feel like, a bigger story than it probably needs to be, Um, especially since it's like this big conspiracy, like, oh, you're doing this because it's the Packers. No, they're doing it because they just put half their team on IR and they got a bunch of open roster spots. That's why. So they're elevating a guy from the practice squad. That's the only reason Anthony Barr isn't still sitting on the practice squad. Um, It is actually funny because if we go back to the quarterbacks for a minute, Jaron Hall's first regular season snaps were against the Packers at Lambeau. He gets his return against the Green Bay Packers, this time at home. But I would mention, if you look at Jordan Love's performance since they played the Vikings, because remember, when we played the Vikings, Jordan Love wasn't necessarily at his best. In fact, that was, that, that's sort of the week eight, week nine thing, where week eight, it kind of seemed like, ooh, something's kind of there, but not quite, and then it was the week after that I was like, all right, that's Jordan Love. I always say like week nine was his breakout, maybe you could say week eight. Week eight was the Vikings. But really, it was the very week after that he started to break out. So if we look at his stats since, 66.4% completion percentage, 2,095 yards, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions, with a record of five and three. And I know we've already done this, but again, he is the fifth highest graded uh, quarterback in that span since the last time we played the Vikings. If you just look from from the next week on, fifth highest graded, you got Herbert actually number one, then it's Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, and Jordan Love. He's ahead of Tua, Geno, Derek Carr, apparently, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, Pat Mahomes is way down. Shouldn't be that surprising if you've been watching what the Chiefs have been doing. He's also tied for third in touchdowns with just uh, with 15 touchdowns and just three interceptions. The only ones that are better would be Matt Stafford, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, and Dak Prescott, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. Purdy also has 17 touchdowns, but six interceptions. So it's a different Jordan Love, but it's not just a diff- different Jordan Love. If we look at our receivers and the way that they graded out, they were all bad. Now, granted, some of that might just have to do with the Vikings and the, I mean, whatever but Romeo Dobbs this is their receiving grades was the highest with a 60.1 Wicks 597 Reed 586 Watson played in the game had a 58.2 Musgrave 52.9 Romeo Dobbs has a 70 PFF grade which is to say that he played below his standard in that game Wicks has a 77 PFF grade and um that was his basically his lowest game since week 4 so since week 8 he has not had a game that low as far as his grades are concerned in fact uh just one game had less yards that was against the giants but he still graded out higher in that game Jaden reed kind of had his breakout week 10 which i know it doesn't feel that way because he's kind of just been there the whole year but from a grade standpoint aside from week two where he graded out really well 60 50 60 50 60 50 50 that's how he graded out through week nine week 10 80 70 70 60 50 70 he's been a different dude since week 10. They're lucky that Christian Watson's not playing in this game because his grades, and this is standard from Christian Watson, it takes him a little while to get warmed up and then he got hurt again. But to start off, it was 60-60, 50-50, 60-50-50, and then basically 90-90. <laughs> like, oh, there's Watson. He's back. And of course, Luke Musgrave hadn't hit his stride until week nine, the very next week, and he is now out. And that does not include Tucker Kraft, who hit his stride around week 13, and since then has been an absolute freaking dynamo. So the offense has kind of hit its... Each piece has kind of hit its stride at different times, and Tavian Wicks has been pretty solid all year, but had a down week against the Vikings. And again, maybe that happens again. Maybe maybe it has more to do with the Vikings than just being kind of a fluky thing, I don't know. But the bottom line is that the offense is playing better now than they were then. I think when Jordan kind of snapped in week nine, you started to see other guys start to arrive. Like I said, Musgrave, it was the exact same time. Uh, if you look at some of the specifics of that game, Packers offense uh, in the October game, nearly 100 fewer yards than their average. They were only 5 of 14 on third downs and 1 of 4 on fourth downs. And then from the Viking standpoint, again, they seem to be spiraling in the wrong direction, but again, you got to watch out when they make these switches. They're 1 and 4 the last six... We- uh, that's not right. Well, I guess there's a buy mixed in there, but they are actually 1 and 4... Well, okay. One in four of the last six weeks, one in four of the last five games, losing to teams like Denver, who just benched their quarterback, the Bears, who, you know, we can give them credit for starting to play a little bit better, but they're not a good football team. They lost to the Bengals, you know, with Jake Browning at quarterback and then kind of got manhandled by the Lions 30 to 24. The bottom line is that this is a game that the Packers should win. You know, it's just, I know it's tough. I know that things are messed up. I know you got a bunch of injuries, but. Everything is pointing in one direction, and that one direction is that the Packers should be the better team and should win. Now, should doesn't carry much weight. A lot of favorites lose, but I'm just talking expectations. It's not like you're playing a powerhouse. You know, like when we played the Chiefs, if we had lost, nobody would have really batted an eye. You should win this game. Now, right now, the Green Bay Packers, um, it's actually swung to minus one for Minnesota, which can I just say for a second, I'm I'm not saying it's wrong. That is somewhat of a, it's a heck of an indictment on the Green Bay Packers. Because, um, you know, all due respect to the Vikings and the things that they're doing well right now and all that, but, bro, they don't have a quarterback. I understand it's in Minnesota. I don't care. If you're playing a team that does not have a quarterback and has a rookie fifth-round guy coming in to essentially get his first real start, assuming you can play the whole thing, I mean, his first real game, and you can't even be favorites over them. I mean, it, it, think about all the Vikings teams in the last... Ten years or whatever. There have been some really good Vikings teams, and the Packers have been at times favorites over those really good teams. This is not a very good Vikings team. In the grand scheme, even Vikings fans, I'm assuming, would look at this and go, "Yeah, this isn't our ideal situation. We got some work to do." If you're not even favorites against them, that sucks. (laughs) It really sucks. But all right, let's let's do this. Let me give my again not prediction, but expectation, real quick. Um, I don't think I'm going to do Packernet After Dark because we only have five calls. That might be enough for a full episode, but eh, I, I'd rather just kind of go through them really quickly on here, and then we'll call it. So, and and I think what I'll do is, uh, if there becomes a point where you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take it easy on the defense and go hard on the offense. All right, I'm gonna be unfair toward the offense and I'm gonna give the defense a freaking handicap, and we'll see if they can actually uh, rise to the occasion here. So let's see what we can do. What is the most amount of points I can get for? The Vikings. So, right now at home, the Vikings are averaging 20.6. The best I can do, which doesn't really change it, is for the season, they're 20.9. In their last three games, it's only been 17 points. So, um, their last one was 24. I could go with that. But um, I think 21 points is the highest or lowest bar I can set for the defense. Keep them below 21 points, and you did a fine job. You did okay. Is it somewhat disappointing considering the quarterback situation? Sure, but whatever. Just please do not let them get more than 21 points. Okay? Thank you. As for the the offense, the, uh, let's see, what's the harshest I can give them? Um, surprisingly, Minnesota apparently is just worse at home. They're They're better offensively and defensively this year on the road. So it doesn't really help a ton. At home, they are allowing 22 points. So there you go. If the score is Packers win 22 to 21, everybody did exactly what they were supposed to do. Okay, so that's what I'm going to set it at, 22 to 21. If if anything worse or better than that, we'll we'll tell you the story. Okay, 22, 21. Why don't we take a break, come back, we'll take some calls, and we'll get out of here. We'll be right back. So we actually do, of the five calls, have a new caller, so that's pretty sweet. So, uh, new caller, wait, do I have the settings? I do. What's going on in your world? Hey, this
3: is Benny Westside from Minnesota. All right, what's up? Uh, First-time caller, long-time listener. Love what you do. Thank you. I have an idea for a new defensive coordinator. Let's do it. And I don't know if I like it or not. Okay. We need stability in the locker room. Matt LaFleur clearly isn't that guy. So I was wondering, what do you think of Mike Zimmer? Give these young guys, Valentine, Valentine, uh, Stokes, Jair clearly has it. He just needs to get his head problems right or something. I don't know what's going on there. But... I think Mike Zimmer would be good in the locker room. He look, what he look what he did in Minnesota. I think he'd be a pretty decent defensive coordinator. But, I mean, when he left Minnesota, they said the devil left the building. I don't know if we need that in our building either. But <laughs> right. kind of a little honey and vinegar with yep. Matt LaFleur and that, you know. Um, also, I thought.
1: Hold on. I'm assuming you're moving on to a new topic. Let me touch on that real quick. Mike Zimmer is a very impressive guy, defensive mind, all that. Um, Aaron Rodgers always spoke glowingly of him and his ability to do things defensively, which is a ringing endorsement when a guy that's been around as long as he has, who's as good as he is, uh, says that Mike Zimmer gives him a hard time. Uh, I think that speaks volumes. I like Mike Zimmer. I like what he does. I think he's a hard nosed, old school kind of guy. Everything feels right except for one massive glaring red flag that I think has me entirely off the Zimmer train. I mean, the the one minor thing is I'm kind of skeptical about sort of those older guys that were great DCs, went on to be head coaches for a very long time, lost that job, and then they start getting into like, you know, other sorts of jobs for a while, like consulting type things or whatever. Now, he went back to college to be an analyst slash consultant. I just... You you just kind of wonder because the NFL is constantly evolving. If if maybe what Mike Zimmer has done, the NFL has somewhat moved past that, and if that's not maybe the the tip of the spear that we're looking for, uh, in other words, you know, five six years ago, having Mike Zimmer as your defensive coordinator would be the ultimate dream. Maybe not in twenty twenty four. I don't know that it just makes me nervous. But the biggest glaring red flag is just down the stretch with Mike Zimmer. The guy hated his football team. It was it was it was a sight to behold the way that he constantly threw his guys under the bus and I think for the the Packers situation that is the last thing in the world that we need is a guy with a temper that will light his players on fire which I, I understand can be a positive but these guys are I hate to use the word sensitive but it's a it's a delicate situation right now with these guys hanging on by a thread and I don't want a freaking sledgehammer coming in here a freaking pile driver <laughs> coming in trying to uh you know, fix the situation trying to fix a a broken wrist with a hammer. And if things go wrong and you got Mike Zimmer, you know, throwing his guys and the last thing we need is, is a guy who does that kind of stuff. And that was Mike Zimmer did that in a fashion that I have never seen a coach do in my life. So, um, he's worthy of respect for what he did in the past. I don't think I want Mike Zimmer. Now, is it possible he could be a defensive coordinator that would just be elite? Let, Let me put it this way. If, if we end up getting a defensive coordinator who is not Mike Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer does come back to the NFL, would I be shocked if the defense that Mike Zimmer is in charge of just freaking dominates? Not even a little bit. But it's kind of like those those uh, character prospects in the draft, the guys who have character issues. Um, I forget the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, you know, well, I, I, long story short, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So I'd, I'd be willing to see him succeed somewhere else and, and just kind of live with that decision to not bring him in
3: to help our defense. I would love to bring in Antoine Winfield jr. He's going to be a free agent this year. Sure. Uh, and then we could, uh we got a lot of cash this year. I think it'd be great, great safety help. And then I don't know, maybe draft a safety or we might not even have to worry about that. if we, pick up a guy like Antoine Winfield. All righty, thank you. Go, Pat, go.
1: Yeah, so Antoine Winfield would be like the ultimate get. Um, he's one of those guys that is, quote-unquote, a free agent next year, but everybody that that is in the last year of their contract is technically a free agent next year. That is until they get signed by their teams. The vast majority of the guys that we're talking about, especially on the top end, will get new contracts. Antoine Winfield is 25 years old and is one of the best, if not the best, safeties in the NFL, it but sometimes stuff happens. You know, we we've seen it more so in recent times. There was a time where it there was zero chance. Like it just it just never ever happened. And I kind of feel like around the time Pittsburgh started losing guys like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, like weird stuff started happening that you just never saw. Like Antonio Brown would never hit the market, but it was an extenuating circumstance with his personality and whatnot. And it just seems like around that time is when things started to really get crazy with people hitting the market. So, um, I mean, I, listen, bottom line, I would I would pay whatever it takes to get a guy like Antoine Winfield. I agree. Hey, back, Daddy. It's Nate. Um, just wanted
0: to call in and just make some comments because obviously the Jair thing seems to be um, pretty big, so I haven't really commented on it yet. But um, obviously, like, definitely just should not be doing what Jair did. Yes. And I'm always an uh, organization over player person. So, um, if it was me personally, he wouldn't have even played in the game. I I would have been in his face very publicly. Um, just not something that should ever happen. And, uh, I do, I do have to uh, just say like, um, I'm one of the people who have been kind of critical of Matt LaFleur, uh, for the exact thing that now, uh, seems to be coming up a lot. And that's because for, you know, for years, my issue has been, I like, literally everything about him as a head coach except for the fact that he's kind of a pussy like i'm sorry there's really not you know that's the best way to put it you can say spineless and you can say he just doesn't have you know that uh, just doesn't have the punch i get it uh, that x factor or whatever you want to say but ultimately that's what it com- comes down to is you know he's just he doesn't have that head coaching quality that that you need the one thing that you can't teach someone you can teach scheme you can get these genius guys who can come in here and just be like okay we're going to run this and they're always going to be open and blah 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 but then you know it's it's that it's that one thing that when the locker room is to be fair
1: i think there is such a thing as assertiveness training and perhaps he should look into that
0: or when things are really really bad you're you're down you're behind it's that it's that thing you just can't teach and it's hard to even explain, but it's like you can rally the troops. If you're a leader of men, you can put people in their place when they need to hear it and you can build them up when they need, when they need that as well. You it's you need to be able to mold people. And that's what Matt LaFleur is missing. Um, but then my comment on, on Jair um, is, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but um it seems like a lot of stuff seems to come up around Jair not being picked as a captain. Cause wasn't this a few years ago, he was upset about not being picked as a captain. Um, I vaguely remember something like that. And I'm like, is this, is this a pattern? Like it, like is Jair just like, he doesn't like show any reason to be a leader. And yet he wants to be like, just named as a leader for no reason with no leadership qualities. Like, I I don't know what's going on there. So it's, if you could uh, check into that for me and see if that was him that was complaining about that a couple of years back, um, I think it was under Pettin, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be interested to hear if this is uh, um, kind of a pattern with Jair. So, anyway, go Pet go.
1: So that could be, but I, I think what you're referring to is Zadarius. Zadarius, and he he had some issues earlier on as far as contract disputes or whatever. But Zadarius was not selected, and it was it was the team that chose who was going to be the um, the team leaders or something. I, I don't exactly know. Maybe they still do that. I don't know. But um, the team chose, and the team decided to pick some captains, and Zedarius was not one of them, and he was really not happy. And It felt like he was sort of, at that point, pulled himself away, like, oh, okay, you guys don't see me as a leader. Like, I see how it is. And it just kind of spiraled from there. I don't know. Maybe I'm sure there was more to it than that. Um, you know, as far as him not feeling like he's being appreciated or something, I don't know. But, um, and then as far as the, the Jair thing, I, I, I'm I sure he's been a captain many, many times. I, I really think it comes down to the timeline. I mean, Jair, they didn't know if he was even going to play. They assumed he wasn't going to play, I'm sure, until game time. So on Friday, when they picked captains, they did not pick him as a captain, and he just took it upon himself to make himself a captain. Now, the only question is, did he talk to the coach? I I believe the answer to the question is No. I don't know where. Trying to remember, It's hard to remember what was fact as opposed to speculation. I, I thought somebody had kind of reported, or maybe Jair had said it, that he didn't speak to the coach. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the case. But it, it, if not, that would remain the only question, is did he go to Matt LaFleur and say, hey, um, could I please be a captain? And then he said no, and then the cr- troops rallied around him. I don't know. But I, I don't think... Although, again, I don't know, because every time I say I don't think it's as big of a deal, it turns into a big deal. I haven't seen any evidence of that particular thing being something to be concerned about, I guess, is the best way I can put it for right now.
2: Hey, Ryan. Hey. Um, I was listening to your podcast you're talking about Jair and something popped into my head. <clears throat> Did Jair know that we wanted to defer slash start on defense? You know, they're the same thing, right? <laughs> um. But seriously, did he know? Or was he going to go out there and defer no matter what LaFleur wanted because he wanted the defense out there first? I just wanted to throw that wrinkle out there because if he wasn't supposed to be one of the three, does that, is that part of the game plan? Does the whole team know we're going if we win the toss, we're going to defer first? Or is the whole team like, hey, you be ready because who knows what's going to happen, you know, because you don't know if you're going to win the toss or not. I don't know, that just popped into my head because if he didn't know and LaFleur wanted to receive, which has happened a couple times in uh, recent weeks, that would have been a whole nother level of disrespect. To go out there and give LaFleur the middle finger and say, no, we're not starting on offense, we're starting on defense. So, I just, I don't know. I'm curious, do you think he knew or is he just going that rogue? Um... I can't remember if I said this the other day or not, but uh, I think the league should make this simpler, uh, the whole defer versus uh, starting on defense or offense. Somebody else almost messed it up a couple years ago. I think it was like the NFC championship game or maybe even the Super Bowl and the refs was like, deeming this? Like, you know, they helped them correct it. Well, if the refs are going to help them correct it, they're not going to enforce it, then why are we making this so complicated? They need to just change the rules that if you whoever gets the ball in the first half, the other team gets in the second half. So you're just yeah. saying to start the game, do you want to kick or do you want to receive? Right. And then the other team can pick the direction. Or, you know, you can say, I just I want to pick the direction. They can choose if they want to kick or receive. Uh, I think they could probably simplify it because somebody else almost screwed this up a couple years ago. Um, anyway, it's kind of besides the point. All right, talk to you later.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I unless you can think of a reason why somebody would want to start on defense twice, I agree that it should be simpler. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's the way I always assumed that it was. I think that's what most people thought. That's the way, um, you know, it, it just seemed like, or, do you want to kick or receive? And then you choose and then you get it the opposite in the, the second half. Um, I suppose they're trying to help by creating options, but nobody's going to select the third option. So, it's stupid. As far as the Jair thing, I mean, that that is, I mean, if you told me that was the case, then I would say we are, at least for my tastes, getting into the territory of he needs to go. And you know I've been very anti that position, but that is that is a level of disrespect and sabotage that is almost, I mean, listen, we're, we're going to suspend you, and it's not just a suspension, it's, it's freaking probation. If you step out of line even a little bit, even one time, you're out of here. That is, I mean, that's serious. You remember, like, Ty Montgomery, right? Do not take it out of the end zone, and he does it anyways. And they cut him. And I would say that is significantly less serious. Maybe not significantly, but it is less serious. It's one thing for a guy to be like, you know, I, well, I, I guess it's similar insofar as, you know, I'm going to try to make a play, and him being like, well, I, I think the defense... But but I mean, it, it, it ruins everything as far as, like, the flow, the game plan, the intent... I mean, that, that would be, I, I, I would guess that's not the case. But I hadn't thought of that. I appreciate you bringing that wrinkle into it. And uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 it came out that that was true, I, I still don't know if I'm on team Jair needs to go. But that is a very, very, very serious slap in the face directly, directly at the head coach that um, just can't be allowed. and And I think a one-game suspension is the bare minimum um and and again, with that becomes some very strict probation. I don't know what the c b a allows in terms of like you know can I tell them that they're they're required to do x, y, and z? I think the rules are pretty strict in terms of you can't tell a player what to do in the off season, basically period, but at the same time, you know it's kind of like the whole thing where it's like, well, you can't fire someone based on these things legally. well, I can fire you and and say it's for a different reason <laughs> you know i I can tell you that. You need to be doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm gonna be checking in with your trainer. And if I find out that you're not, then you're off the team. And you say, well, the CBA doesn't allow that. Okay, great. Then I, then you will be f- traded because somebody offered some really cool compensation and I just couldn't say no. That will be the official reason that I will write down in my little book, in my in my diary. I don't know. I hope I hope I hope that that's not true. I really hope it was just sort of a lighthearted thing and he just wasn't thinking. He just wanted to lot his way out there. He thought it would be cool you know, like, it's my hometown. Like, I get it. Like, he's not mad at the coaches. It's just like, hey, man, it'd be cool if I went out there. And they're like, yeah, dude, come on out. You can even call it. Like, all right, cool. And they just kind of trapes out there and just kind of a lighthearted thing. And he calls it. And it was the wrong thing. And it was kind of like a little snicker. And then they go back to the sideline, whatever. And then, you know, again, the the team has to come down hard and be like, listen, you cannot do that, you know, and and that's it. And that's, you know, that's as, that's as serious as it got. And it doesn't need to be any more than that. But I I don't know. I think what you presented is the exact opposite side of the spectrum, which would be freaking brutal. One more call here from uh, Bramble. Hey,
3: Packy. Hey, man. In the middle of your little Jair rant. I
1: just want to say you
3: used the caveat that he the best quarter in football when healthy. And like you said, you know, when you expect him to come back next year, best part in football again. When, healthy.
1: when healthy. Now I think mentally unhealthy. As well, so. Anywho, shalom. Well, and that—that that is the other side of it, right? Again, there's there's two things that I feel like are being conflated, and I can't tell if people who are mad at his play are using this as an excuse to further trash Jair, or if people that don't like his personality are trying to conflate his play and pretend that he's been bad all along. I'm not sure, but there's just this groundswell. Maybe it's coming from both sides. Um, And I I just want to make sure that those are separated. I I have a very firm position on his play. I think it's been adequate at at worst. It's been adequate. And I think people get injured. It happens to all players, really, who hasn't been injured. Tell me your favorite player that hasn't been injured. I don't know who that would possibly be. Rodgers was injured, Devontae was injured, Jordy was injured, Aaron Jones was injured. Everybody that's played any period of time has been injured. Okay, so do we give them a little bit of grace or do we say that they should be kicked off the team? Well, if you're Jair, I guess you need to be kicked off the team. Everybody else, it's fine. Now, as far as all this other stuff, again, that is, you know, it's JJ asked the question on derailed, like, you know, would you trade him? The answer is no. What if we factor in like some of the off the field stuff? Well, there's obviously a line somewhere. it's the same for play. Like if play dips to a certain point and is consistently negative enough, then yeah, then then you have to change your analysis of how good he is. But based on all the information we have right now, he's a good football player. I don't have enough information on his uh, off the field issues, which as of right now seems to me, unless I'm missing something has been like one incident, which again, maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it was just, he wasn't thinking and just thought it would be a, a cool thing to be able to do. And, that's it. Again, I doubt it because, you know, you even got Matt LaFleur saying it's never just one thing or whatever, but um yeah, that as of right now, that's the only thing that could move me toward Jair needs to go is to find out that there have been some terrible things going on and he has not learned his lesson, right? If If he pops off, you know, he could run out on the field again this week or something like that. At some point, yeah, you know, it sucks that it has to happen, but You got to do what you got to do. Like Antonio Brown was at the peak of his career when he left, when the Pittsburgh Steelers let him go. He was an unfreaking believable wide receiver and continued to be uh, a great wide receiver while being a basket case. My stance that nobody should bring him back into the NFL had nothing to do with his play. It had to do with this guy should not be encouraged and should not be allowed on the field. If you want to do something for him, help him medically. So again, separating those out, um, I, uh, I think the least reactive stance is the stance that I'm going to try to take, which is just being hopeful that there isn't much more going on and that when they say that they had good conversations and their relationships are going to improve, that that is true. But of course, it's something to keep an eye on. He's going to be under a microscope probably too much, which again, is it, it went from like everybody thought he was, his, his personality was endearing to, you know, he has like four bad games and now all of a sudden his personality is disgusting and I hate it. Well, I have always hated it. It's like, okay, well, it's the first time anybody's ever said anything about it. But yeah, now apparently everybody always hated him all the time. like, just shut up. <laughs> I'm so sick of everybody hating all our good players. It's freaking annoying. We we have enough problems to deal with and bad players to deal with without being like, how can we get rid of all of our good players? Anyways, uh, I've already done that rant. Appreciate all the calls. Appreciate all the support. Uh, where are we at here? So for me right now, it is 1.41 p.m. And we have, so a day and a half-ish to get to 7,393 downloads. I'm kind of guessing we're not going to get there just because it's the weekend and I'm not doing Packing It After Dark. So I will be sad and I will cry a lot. But do me a favor, make sure you listen. If you missed any, go back and listen to them. If you liked one a lot and just think, man, I'd love to listen to that again, go ahead and do that again. Share it, send it to your friends. Hey, grandma, listen to this. It's a podcast, you'll love it. Force your kids to listen to it separately on their own devices help a guy out. Again, I don't get anything extra from it. It would just be a heck of a milestone that would be great. And we are literally right there. But anyways, you guys have a good um, well, it's Sunday. Have a good uh, game day. We don't play until later on. So enjoy your football games and hopefully we'll have a very good victory Monday. Have a good night. talk to you later. Bye-bye.